Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team who did not live up to that billing against Newcastle. Dear, oh dear, why are Villa so like this? Unite Emery can't come soon enough. So Frankie, let's get straight to it. Why not? Uh, what happened on Tyneside? Oh, well, you know, uh, full Mark Lawrenson voice again, you know, I, I don't know why I watch football, to be honest. I don't, I don't even really like it. I mean, it's an exciting week, isn't it? Everybody's well into what's going on at Villa and then um, we go and do something like that. Mm. Uh, I guess you can look at it in two ways. One, you know, as we mentioned last week, Newcastle are pretty much one of the form teams in the league. They're a really well-drilled side and what Eddie Howe has done over the last year is an incredible job. Newcastle look um, or have looked since about January, like every single player knows exactly what they're doing. Like um, they're well coached. Um, They know where to provide an out ball um, and they know how to attack a team. Um, You can see why they are in the top um, four. I think, Barring them getting a bunch of injuries, they'll probably continue to push for the top four this season. Mm. Um, and I think it they had they were just harder, faster, stronger. Commitment, desire. Um, and uh, you know, that's not a first eleven that's better than Aston Villa man for man, I think. I think they're actually quite similar standard. But um, I'd say that a year of Eddie Howe's coaching there has clearly done a really good job for them in comparison to what Villa have done in the last year, which is to be quite frank. Quite shambolic under Steven Gerrard over the year. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to you know dig him out. He's probably in a very low place at the moment, Gerrard. But just a lot of things have not gone right Villa in the last twelve months. And you know, all we can say is that hopefully Unai Emery is the man who comes in and can change that around and get us in a year's time to where Newcastle are right now. So yeah, what did, what did you think about it? Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree. I mean, it was if if we break it down a bit so the first half for me was very even yes. you know we had uh, we had some decent chances you know Watkins missing again oh, um, God, yeah. which is getting pretty frustrating now but that's the way it is and 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 two things you know changed the game fundamentally one was uh, Martinez's injury um, question marks about whether he should have come off even a bit earlier you know obviously there's a lot of talk particularly in sort of professional sporting fields about you know head injuries how important it is to get that right um so it was it was a bit surprising to me that he i mean continued to begin with but then once he was substituted then um we seemed to just fall apart and the second um the second thing that i think changed it was was the penalty I, i think everyone in football will say you don't want to Go into the halftime break one nil down just before the the, the whistle. Do you know what I mean? You, you, mm. you, you know, keep it keep it a nil nil a halftime. Soak up any pressure that comes your way. Just get into the break um, goalless, and and you can you can sort of build from there. But it completely changes the team talk, doesn't it? Because then you're yeah. chasing the game in the second half, and um, you know Newcastle, as you say, they're in fantastic form. That was their fifth win in six. And once the crowd at St. James's Park gets behind the team, it it really felt and it feels often that, um, you know, they were sort of sucking the ball into the net a little bit. Hmm. Um, I mean, with Olsen coming on, um, you know, it's difficult for me to, to rate Olsen particularly because he's played so little football. But 
I think ultimately he sort of lacks the leadership and overall quality of Martinez. And mm. without Martinez, and you know, Martinez is such a big character, big personality. I mean, you know, he has been sort of, well, he has been our captain with McGinn being benched and um, and, and Ming stripped of it earlier in the season. So he, he has those leadership qualities as well and, and mm. potentially will be captain under Emery. Um, but yeah, so without without that, we sort of lacked um, that leadership and, and we looked really disjointed without him. Um, you know, it just, it just, we sort of just fell apart really. Second half could have easily been more, you know, with Newcastle hitting the woodwork twice. Yeah. Um, you know, we've also got a ridiculously bad record at St. James's Park. We haven't won there in 17 years. The last time we beat Insane. them was we had, we had to rely on their two players fighting each other and getting <laughs> themselves sent off. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's what we had to rely on, um, you know, 17 years ago to beat them. So, so that combined with the fact that they're in good form anyway, meant it was always going to be tricky. Um, and it was, I mean, it's a, a sobering result really for, for, for poor old Aaron Danks. Mm-hmm. A huge reality check for Thanks, him. After, yeah. yeah, for Danks Ciola. After, after what was, uh, you know, a, a brilliant win at, at Villa Park by the same scoreline. Mm. And it's sort of interesting parallels between him and Kevin McDonald. Do you remember him when he was interim manager? You yeah. Know, he, after O'Neill left, he had a positive result against West Ham. And then the next game was at St. James's Park where we got smashed 6-0, which could well have been the scoreline today. So, so, um, yeah, I don't know. It it was, it was a very disappointing day all round, but, but as you say, Frankie, we need to look at this as sort of a reset moment. And that is actually the very word that Aaron Danks used in his post-match interview. He said, this is a reset moment. Um, Mm. Emery's in now. He'll have a chance to take over the, team next week i mean i really i mean i wish i was a you know to be a fly on the wall of uh wherever emery was watching that game i wonder what he would have made of it and what um he would have done to change things up uh, it drove straight back to Villarreal and, and <laughs> prayed for his contract <laughs> <laughs> i made a big mistake kike seti and just please sack him you know i'll come back i'll come back i swear <laughs> jobs job immediate immediate job swap is set yeah so um yeah it's there's a lot of work for him to to do but we but but you know we knew that anyway you know that the Brentford game was perhaps one of those ones where it was at Villa Park and everyone was sort of buzzing because Gerard had left and, and we were playing in a formation that a lot of the fans wanted us to play in and all the rest of it and and um but but fundamentally you know we are where we are because of how we played over the course of the season so yeah. far and it, we need we need work we need lots of work and, and oh. hopefully everybody's up for the challenge well we, we need men at work but we need the, the band we need everything they're like um <laughs> we um yeah I, I totally agree i think the first 40 minutes aston villa were really competitive against newcastle um i thought the shape was fine we were getting caught sort of the whole game to be honest but right from the yeah right from the first minute we were getting caught with sort of um switches of play and balls over the top of like Ashley Young and Matty Cash yeah and particularly I thought on the right Newcastle's right hand side with Almiron and Trippier they were constantly causing us problems in the first half and it felt like if something was going to happen it was going to come down that side and the penalty ultimately did come from um a play down that side um and the penalty just came at a frustrating time. But you're kind of thinking like, you know, right, frustrating that's happened just before half time. But Villa are still well in this. We, we had two chances in the first half where I think Villa should have scored at least yeah. one. Um, and um, then the second half just come out and it was a similar to performance to Fulham. It was it was weak. It was mm. weak. 
harder, faster, stronger. That's what Newcastle were. And we just, it. I think it was a mentality thing. I think that does play into it. And I think Villa just, um, there's no reason we should have fallen apart like that. Now, I do wonder, are we not as fit as Newcastle? Is there a fitness mm-hmm. issue? We're not a team who tends to press from the front. We allow teams to play around and come at us. Yeah. Um, I don't think our know, running stats are that good. No, we 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 don't look a fit team, and I do wonder if that actually does play into why, you know, away from home particularly, we look so passive, so weak in the second half. So often, you know, Fulham, Palace, Bournemouth. I'm thinking of all these games, and now Newcastle. Um, and I thought the front line um, first half. You know, there were there was some threat there. There was, uh, but. Yeah, uh, not convincing second half. And I thought Ollie Watkins, you, you know, we defend him a lot on this podcast. That might be the worst game I've seen him play for Villa, I think. Um, he he uh, he struggled there today. Uh, but everybody's entitled to a bad game. Um, he's not been in great form this season, Ollie. I, I'm, sure, I'm pretty certain he'd rather be playing in the role that Ings was playing in today, you know, as the lone striker. But... Mm. Um, Ultimately, we've got rid of all our wingers. We only have Leon Bailey, really. Um, we've got Philogene Bedace on loan. We've got Traore on loan. We've got rid of El Ghazi and uh, Trezeguet. So um, Watkins is probably the only one who can really do that role at the, at, with the players we currently have available. Um, maybe you could put, push Matty Cash further forward, and he has played further forward before. But um, yes, I think today was just a, a, a message to Aston Villa from Newcastle of what we have to aim to be. Because yes, Newcastle have spent a lot of money and they've signed a couple of fantastic players in Guimaraes, a great player. Um, but um, ultimately, they've not spent that much more than Villa in the last 12 months. I don't think their squad is much better than Villa, but I just think they've been more cohesive behind the scenes. I think they've been more cohesive with their coaching. Mm. And what Eddie Howe has done there is absolutely an, a fantastic job, really. Yeah, um, and they look. Every single player is willing to fight for it all through the game, no matter where they are, um, and that's what Villa absolutely have to aim for. And we have to, and ho- hopefully Unai Emery can get the very best out of all the players, just as Eddie Howe is doing at Newcastle. Yeah, I, I think I think Eddie Howe is an extremely extremely meticulous coach. I, I think you know he really uh, examines the kind of minutiae of, of of player performances and stuff. I mean, he really he, he really is an excellent coach. Mm. I mean, what he what he achieved with Bournemouth is is frankly um, spectacular. Really, if you think about the size of club that Bournemouth are, mm. uh, to get them into a position where obviously you know then they're now back in the premier league but but they wouldn't have been there if it weren't for him and uh you know he he he's proving himself once again with a completely different project um to be doing to be doing the business um mm. so so yeah but but absolutely newcastle should be sort of the shining beacon that 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 uh, we should be emulating because you know okay we 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 don't have the vast resources that newcastle have but we do have yeah. very deep pockets uh, and, and and so that's not to say that you know with 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 good coaching and a, and a bit more investment, there's no reason why we can't be doing what Newcastle are doing uh, currently. So so this is a reset moment. I'm frustrated that the Gerard experiment failed so badly because basically that's put us a year behind 
uh, schedule, in my yes. opinion. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're back to where we were essentially when Dean Smith left. Mm. So, um, so, so it was all, it always feels like a complete waste of time, but we've got a, a very, very good manager with a good track record. He's experienced in, in both the Premier League and La Liga, where his, his, his win rate at almost every club that he's been at is, is, is superb. I heard actually that, um, that based on his current managerial record at every club he's managed, um, it would make him the third most successful Villa manager, either in the Premier League or in our entire history. I'm not sure, but wow. it's, it's definitely very impressive and, and it would rank him as one of our better yeah. managers if he achieves the same win rate um, with us. So we've got to be confident um, looking forward. But Frankie, um, you know, just my question to you ahead of your spicy question to me. Oh, yeah. What, 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 do you think Emery needs to do in the short term ahead of the United game? Because we've talked about this long-term project about mm. what he needs to do in terms of, you know, building up the squad and so into something that he thinks will be competitive long-term, but in the short term, where do you think he needs to look and what sort of personnel would he be looking at? How do you think he would have seen that game against Newcastle building for the United game? I think he'd have got a good sense of what Aston Villa currently are um, from the two games. Is just watch. They're a team who are, who are capable of really taking it to anybody. But it seems to be that we can only really do that at the moment when we're playing at home. All of our wins this season, all three of them have been at home. Mm. Uh, and I think that what he has seen is that mentally, I think there is a mentality thing that we're just, um, we're too easy to get at. We fall apart, particularly away from home. Um, you know, if we go one behind, it's like it's almost as if the shoulders drop and it's, you know, like, well, all right, well, we've, we're done for this week and um, let's just move on to next week and hope for something better. And, you know, like, you know, if you want to be competing in the, in, in the top 10, let alone, you know, Europe or pushing for Europe, you got to have a, you, got, you do have to be, as a team, you've got to be more focused, um, not so tentative, which is what we, looked like today in the final third you know we'd get into the final third into some dangerous positions in the first half and yet it was always just a bit like maybe oh yeah sure okay and it was all a bit like one touch too many or you know ball across to Watkins and it's an air shot or maybe Buendia took one touch too many when he had a chance it was kind of like just a or like Bailey's got into the final third you're like go on drive now show a bit more pace you know mm. really scare them and instead it's a bit like careful touches and it's it's all a bit safe you know it's not it just feels like you're not there's the, the lack of belief there and i think that unai emery ultimately what he has to do is just just get these this team to be, see them be, be, see themselves as winners you know you know ultimately. you know, you, you, know you, you you what's interesting about that mentality point which which does intrigue and excite me going forward is you cannot tell me if if you look at Villarreal's squad the squad that finished as you know as semi finalists in yeah. the Champions League last season won the Europa squad, League won the Europa League look at their squad Etienne Capoue uh, yeah. Dan Juma who was at Bournemouth relegated with Bournemouth Francis Coquelin yeah. uh, you know Giovanni Lo Celso you know th those these are players that were ridiculed in the Premier League and so they, for, yeah. for their for their quality and their ability they go to Villarreal play for manager like Unai Emery and all of a sudden they they, they become you know they become trophy winners uh, yeah. and they go far in elite level European competitions so so if he can do that with the likes of those players then I'm I am confident I'm very confident that he can get the most out of players that on paper yeah we would say. Are, and as you said earlier, are as good as a team which are currently in, in the Champions League spots uh, uh, as Newcastle are. Mm. So, 
you know, we've got to be positive. Yeah, today today is another bloody nose for us this season. Um, we've had a lot but, of them. And we have had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but ultimately, the, the, the very brief, you know, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Danks, Liz Truss-esque era of, of <laughs> Aston Villa management the, is... Yeah. Was always, you know, it was always going to be temporary. It was always, whatever result we got against either either Newcastle or, or Brentford was going to be like, well, whatever, yeah. because you know, Danks is going to be out of the well, picture. I, I think we'll we'll all have fonder memories of Aaron Danks than I think the general British public might have. Um, the the trust era, which didn't go too well for her. You make good point about you know the type of players he had at Villarreal. And the ability and what he was able to sort of get get out of those players, and uh, and yeah, you know, I remember last year when um, Jack Grealish left the Villa at the start of the year, and we recorded an episode after it, basically a therapy session for us. Um, I remember just saying at the time, and it was kind of like emotion driven, you know, because obviously it's it's just so frustrating losing him. But it was it was one of them where I said, you know, like there's that phrase, isn't there, when Alex Ferguson wanted to knock Liverpool off their perch, right? Yeah. And I've I've felt that there's no reason Aston Villa could not have been where Manchester United and Liverpool are, considering the histories and the size of these clubs. Like there's like I think Liverpool and Man United at different times looked out with the right manager and it just became a legacy, historic, and it became part of who they are. They win titles. Now I've always kind of wanted Aston Villa to look at it. Look at the like these the northern powerhouse clubs, and I guess you could look at some of the London clubs and say like, look at them and say, we have to we have to have someone in there now to instill the belief that we're going to knock them off their perch. And look, we're not going to knock Man City off their perch. You know, we compete with the nation state here, but we've got to look at it and think we've got to look at it and think we're going to go up there and we're going to give them a, a fight. We're going to win. We're going to we're going to finish ahead of United. We're going to finish ahead of Liverpool. And yeah, that's that sounds like a delusional dream at this moment in time. But I do feel with Unai Emery coming in, he has proven in the past that he can get the best out of players who are not necessarily the greatest in the world. And that, you know, ultimately can just instill in these players a mentality that no matter where they go, they go there thinking, you know, if I go behind, it doesn't matter. I'm going to fight and I'm going to keep going. And it's not going to just be, you know, like tentative and hopeful and just give up. It's going to be, you know, we can do this. And actually, we're we're a really good side. And we're, you know, we're a, we're a top club and we have to think like a top club now, I think. Yeah. We have the owners who have the ambition to do that. And I just hope that Uno Emery is the man that can ultimately um, help us achieve these very lofty ambitions that I have just set. But um, but no, no to no, believe no. that we can, you know, challenge these teams at least. It is, yeah. it is, it is, but I think, but that, but again, that's, that is, that is the beauty, I think, of Emery as a manager, given his previous, uh, the, the clubs he's managed and his track record. You know, he, he, I think he thrives in a kind of underdog type environment. Like he, like with, with, you know, with Sevilla, I, I watched, uh, 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 you know, those, <laughs> you know, those tactical masterclass videos on YouTube when they get coaches <laughs> yeah. to talk about specific yeah, yeah. matches. Yeah. So he, so he's there and he's talking about when he was manager Sevilla, the Europa League final up against Liverpool, mighty Liverpool in the Europa League final. Mm. Sevilla, the, you know, obviously clear underdogs going into that game, but they win three, one. Mm. And he talk, he talks about mentality so, so much in that yeah. game and uh and 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 clearly you know it, it's uh, they go one nil down daniel sturridge scores the opener but but he but he he gets them in at half time and he says and he and he just shakes them up really and he and he and he really does say it's purely a mentality thing that i had to just get into their heads and and you know say you're in this just go out compete fight you know all the rest of it hmm. uh and uh and yeah i i would love villa to be 
a club Men- like that. Like yeah. mentality, mentality monsters. Club like- mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. monsters. That's what you need to a, see a, from Villa now. A, a, cl- a club that, you know, you might not look at us and think, oh, wow, the mighty Villa. But you look at us and think, "Oh, we're in for we're in for a game today. Like we need yeah. to we need to be on our we need to be on our guard because we you know Villa team we can easily get get very beaten. dangerous side, yeah, a dangerous a dangerous side. Exactly, exactly. You know, you you'll get you know you'll get your fingers burnt if you don't turn up against Villa. Because sometimes I think, like today and other games as well this season and last season and all the rest of it, I think clubs look at Villa as 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 you know. It's a it's a winnable game for them, yes. either at Villa Completely. Park or at home. It's a winnable game. You know, you look at it on paper and think, yeah. oh yeah, we can we can win that one. I you know I would just want to be seen as a club where you look at it and think, oh, could be in for a you know difficult. It'll be difficult for us to call this one. Yeah. Um. And and as I say, given given Emery's track record with those sorts of clubs, I'm really really hopeful that that he can he can turn us around. And I just hope that he's given time because it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be easy based on today's results of this season and that may perhaps the current squad, there's going to be some problems along the road. But we've got to, I think we've got to try and commit to him now because he is a proven winner at, at every club he's been at, every club at, at our sort of level and size. He's been successful if given the tools, the opportunity, the time to do it. So we've just got to make sure that we commit to him. He's a proper coach and there's no one better I think we can get. Um, so so let's stick with him. Let's you know keep the faith and, and, and let's uh, push on with him now. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it is time for this. Things are heating up like the second half at St. James's Park where, yeah, things got a little too hot for us. Uh, on this, the All Villa No Filler podcast, as I ask this, the spicy question today, George, I'm asking you, look, it's the obvious one. We've mentioned him already, but come on. We haven't talked about Unai Emery together on the All Villa No Filler podcast. Um, what do you make of him coming into Villa and how excited are you to see him arrive at Villa Park? Well, if our listeners just sort of um, rewind this podcast by about sort of 30 seconds or so, <laughs> you'll, you'll be able to hear the passion in my voice for, uh, for Unai Emery. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as excited about his appointment as I was for when O'Neill joined. I think you've said that yeah. before, Frankie. Yeah. And it, that, that I haven't really felt, a lot of Villa fans probably haven't felt this level of excitement for a coach coming in since since you know what, what, what 10, 10 years ago oh it's got to be uh, O'Neill really years ago, yeah 15 years ago so you know it's been a long time coming since we felt this level of sort of intrigue for a manager coming in so and obviously under O'Neill we had some good times we played some good football we were one of those teams that you know clubs would come and say oh Villa are tough you know we're gonna have a tricky game against them today so if we can recreate that atmosphere that feeling um, then I, you know, the only the only way is up as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what will be intriguing as well is to see the impact of his uh, of his sort of coaching staff. He seems he seems to be someone who has a lot of coaches around him, fairly similar similarly to Gerard in many ways. But I, I don't think you'd use them in the way that 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 Gerard uh, did uh, did and 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 does. Mm-hmm. I think Gerard uh, was just the kind of the figurehead the vibes man I, I, the As, vibes uh, James man. Rushton described <laughs> yeah. him on our podcast uh this week yeah. great great description <laughs> it's a great description <laughs> it, I think I listen I don't know the ins and outs of it but from the outside looking in that's what it appeared to me to look like I, yeah. I kind of felt like 
you know he was he was just the face and then the and then the, and then the engine room was behind him doing all the kind of tactical relevant football stuff mm-hmm. um whereas i think i get the vibe with emery that it's more of kind of a brains trust there that you know um that you know he is he is a man obviously more than capable of making his own tactical decisions and obviously will do but he, but he has, um, he has his 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 sort of loyal set of coaching staff with him that mm-hmm. that will that advise him and and sort of help him along the way. So, I'm interested interested to see. I think next week should be the announcement of 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 the, the backroom staff. And of course, there are going to be questions now about where Aaron Danks and Neil Cutler and Austin McPhee stand. You know, yeah. they're, they're they're club appointments, so. It's you know they they were part of the club before Steven Gerrard joined and obviously haven't left now he's gone so perhaps they'll stick around but, I mean for me personally I, I kind of hope that at least one of them does mm. or maybe you know maybe maybe not all three of them I don't know but but just for a sense of continuity because if it all goes pear shaped with with uh, with Emery have, I, you know, I really hope it doesn't but if it does then at least we've got people in the background to kind of come in and take over again on, on an interim basis. Cause yeah. I think that's, that's important. So, um, so yeah, but as I said, his, his, his record speaks for itself. Um, particularly at, as I said as well, that, that the size of club Villarreal, um, you know, a club that probably sits just outside the top six, you know, top, top 10 is what you're going to be aiming for. And then hopefully pushing on seeing what you can achieve from there. But that's, that's the kind of benchmark at the moment. Yeah. And, and he's the man that's achieved that at his previous clubs, and 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 hopefully he can do the same, uh, the same, the same with us. So yeah, really, really, really excited. Um, it's a, I guess it's just a shame that we've got kind of this bizarre World Cup break mm-hmm. so soon after his appointment, because I think perhaps it might have been nice for him to get a bit of a run of games under his belt to kind of really assess the whole squad without a few of them jetting off to Qatar. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and um, and maybe you know who knows maybe that might, might be beneficial to him to have a month or so where he can analyze tapes of games, um, speak to players, uh, and and you know you know almost use this this break that break as an opportunity to fully assess the squad before we we go again after the World Cup. So yeah 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 re- yeah really really exciting really positive and um, yeah I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you feel the same way Frankie. Yeah yeah it's definitely the highest profile managerial appointment we've made since uh, O'Neill I think yeah Julia you could argue but I think O'Neill was probably at the time on the most upward trajectory as a manager um and uh, I would say he probably comes in with a stronger CV than O'Neill did um you know Europa League winner three times to Sevilla Villarreal Europa League winner uh, semi-finals of the Champions League and then you're looking at you know his time at Valencia establishing him as the third place club at a time when Barcelona and Real Madrid were just absolutely off the scale amazing football teams um, mm. could you look at him and say you know well you know PSG uh, did it go so well well he won a lot of trophies but that is PSG that's ultimately what they do and he also had that 6-1 turnaround against Barcelona the Champions League which was you know a bit of a shadow over him but you know, Arsenal, I think he slightly underestimated what he did at Arsenal. It was an incredibly difficult role to go into. Arsenal fans I've spoken to have said that politically it was extremely difficult at the time. There was a lot of changeover, a lot of moving parts in the background at Arsenal that are no longer there under Arteta. So I think Unai Emery walked into a very difficult situation at Arsenal. Very similar situation to what Moyes had to go into following Manchester United. You know, Emery follows a legacy of what Wenger did. And ultimately, he actually did all right. 22-game um, unbeaten streak there in his first season. Very mm. close to the top four, just finished outside. 
Um, Europa League final, yes, they lost to Chelsea. Um, and he didn't go to one in his second season. But as I say, those kind of political moving parts in the background didn't really help. And I, I think ultimately he, as you know, there are some managers who just seem to suit teams that are fighting against the big dogs who are punching above their weight, that kind of a thing. Um, and you would argue Sevilla, Villarreal and Valencia particularly are Spanish equivalents of what Aston Villa kind of are, really. It's, um, yeah, I, I think we could, we, you could compare us to what Sevilla probably are, even though Sevilla obviously have much better European heritage than us in the last 10 years. For sure, it's, it's a similar task he has with us. And uh, I think that this is the size of club that will suit him. And you have to be excited for it. Do I always find his style of play massively exciting? No. Um, there are times I've probably watched Unai Emery teams and thought, okay, this ain't for me. I'm probably going to watch Coronation Street instead. But, um, the Corrie Omnibus. Um, but uh, you can't really argue with the fact that we've got a proven winner coming in as a manager. He's probably one of the most high-profile high managers anyone outside of at least the top six could have gotten. Newcastle yeah. wanted him a year ago and he didn't go because yeah. of the timing. So no, I'm, I am I am excited and I, I particularly hope that he's able to get the best out of the players we have as he did at Villarreal. I hope that he's able to um, instill a winning mentality, push us in trophies. And I think, you know, let's just be patient. There's obviously a lot to work with here at Villa. It's not been a great season. There's low confidence and I'm not convinced about the fitness levels. And maybe, maybe the World Cup break might end up being quite convenient because it gives us a month in which he can maybe work with a squad that stays behind uh, in the UK and get them fitter and get them work on their mentality, work on their sharpness, and uh, work on some new tactics. 4-3-2-1, 4-4-2, that's what he's like to do at uh, Valencia, uh, Valencia, Villarreal this season. Um, will he want to do that at Villa? I guess we want to work out exactly what the personnel are capable of. Um, but yes, get through to January. Um, it will take time, be patient, but I'm really hopeful that he could be a man who us as Villa fans come to really, really admire and really like and uh, gets us to a good place. Yeah, yeah, agree with that. And also, just to, to end this podcast on a positive note, and certainly mm -hmm. something that Emery can look forward to um, when he takes over and moving forward in his Villa career, two really good performances from our loanees, Aaron Ramsey yes. and Jaden Philogene in yes. the Championship today. Philogene, uh, Jaden Philogene with a really, really good goal for Cardiff City. Um, got the winner there. Good, good feats from the young lads, and then obviously Aaron Ramsey scoring a brace mm -hmm. for. Or Sadine Smiths and Norwich helping them on their way to a win as well. So, you know, hopefully, as well as looking at the current squad, uh, as I say, Emery's a long-term project. I believe he'll also start to be looking at those players out on loan, forming well. So. Yes, he he has a track record of bringing through young players at Arsenal. He does. Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli. You know, and if he's willing to do that, there's a few young players coming through in, that, in Villa's excellent academy right now who um, I'm excited to see get some coaching off him and potentially get into our first team. You know, we're looking, we're talking Timur Robinham, Kane Kessler-Hayden, uh, Philogene Bedace, um, uh, Aaron Ramsey. You know, that's a lot of talent there. And uh, who knows, one of them might really come good under Emery. We lost 4-0 today, but I'm somehow still excited. Also, George, Manchester United next. I am going to that game at Villa Park. Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm, I'm very jealous. And secondly... The atmosphere is going to be electric. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it? Is it? Is it an evening kickoff? 
No, it's uh, Sunday in the day kickoff. I think. Okay. Hey, I fine. Think. Hey, hey. Never mind. Well, well, well. Either way, it's uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere. But uh, yeah, I mean, United are the traditional bogey team who we can never ever beat. We have not um, been them at Villa Park since 1995. A game I was at. 3-1, yeah. first day of the season. Can't win anything with kids match. And I was at that. I was sat in the Trinity Road. This time, I'm sat in the Trinity Road. So, George, is this is the redemption. It's the redemption story. Is this is this the moment? Little did I think that back in 1995, I would have to wait until the year 2022. So much has happened in the world since then. Mm. Um, but you've still, you've still got your boyish good looks, Frankie. I hope so. Um, you know, a lot of beer has been drunk in that time. So hopefully my... You weren't um, drinking beers back in 95, were you? Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was, oh, what was I, eight years old, nine years old? Yeah. It was a troubled, troubled, troubled youth. On the Carling straight away, just uh, in the Trinity Road. I think that's what they were selling at that point. I think it would have been like Forex. Do you remember like Forex was like a really popular beer in the 90s? I just remember like the Forexes and you just, you don't get it anywhere now apart from in Queensland, Australia. It's like, that's where yeah. it's from. But uh, but yeah, I I remember seeing it in the UK, and then I went to Queensland about two years ago, and I was like, oh, forex, that that <laughs> exists. And then my girlfriend was like, yeah, that's it's the Queensland drink. And I was like, oh, right, okay, learn something well, new every day. Well, the nineties was a time of um, like Alco pops, isn't it, Frankie? I mean, you know, that I, was I, it. I it was personally, I can't, I can't. I remember being a kid. We're going off on a massive tangent here, but I Ooch. remember being a kid thinking, but this, yeah, because I was thinking, oh wow. Hooch looks so good to me as, <laughs> as like eight-year-old me. And my mum was like, oh, no, no, you can't have that. Um, but no, I never had Hooch. And then I did have Hooch when I was about, uh, the first Hooch I had, I was probably about 24 in Cardiff, probably when you, you know, when we were a unit mm. together, Frankie. And um, the sugar in that, my God. Oh, like, wow. I was, I was I was buzzing for days after that Hooch. Yeah, because they sell it. They sell it in the. They sell it in the big bottles, don't they? It was the combination of like the alcohol and the sugar just uh, blew my mind. Uh, it felt like um, you know the episode of The Simpsons where we always talk about The Simpsons on this podcast. We do, yeah. That episode of The Simpsons where they where they get that like where Bart and Millhouse try that super like that super um, squidgy is it. Do you know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> where, where Bart, Bart, it's like it's like this got like all the syrups in it. And Bart drinks it, and then like he just goes into some like mad bender. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. That is that is what I felt like when I drank yeah. when I drank uh, that hooch. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think I've tried hooch actually. I think maybe I need to maybe give it a go. Put me up uh, after a, after a four 0 <laughs> loss at Newcastle and whatever terrible loss just comes again this season. Um, yeah, it was an era yeah. of hooch, Britpop. Aston Villa actually beating Man United. And uh, what else would you put in there? 90s. Jurassic Park. Seinfeld. And U- Eurovision victories. Yes. In the UK. Yes, it was. Yeah. Katrina it was the a waves, good, thank you. It was a good time. Let's bring, let's bring those times back. And also, let's not forget, Frankie, Eurovision is in the UK for it the is. first time since then next year. So if we can tally that up with Villa being a successful football team again, then that is fine by me. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, George Zielinski. Catch you later, Frankie. Later, George. Up the villa and super Unai Emery. (laughs) Up the villa, super Unai Emery. And goodbye from me. We'll We'll be back again to review that Man United game that Frankie will be at, downing his hooches. But until then, come on, super Aston Villa. 